Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and this is David Streggy, producer behind Inside Movies Galore. And on July uh, 18th of 2017, um, we uh, had an audio failure the night before uh, where we had tried to do an episode of Rob Zombie's um, House of a Thousand Corpses and the Devil's Rejects, um, where I myself... Um, Dane Kyle, who has uh, had been on me uh, with me from the beginning of the several episodes, as well as Tito Johnson, um, who uh, helped me start Inside Movies Galore, and I also reached out to a friend of ours, uh, a friend of mine, uh, Celeste Parker, and uh, she uh, plays a witch on a. Um, kind of Smenguli-like uh, local horror host uh, thing down in Kenosha called Dead Guards Dark Coffin Classics, for she is a dead girl. And I, I had some high respect for her opinion, and I invited her on the show. So here she is, and here's the rest of the crew as we begin our film discussion journey. This is Tito Johnson. I met David through a Facebook movies group. He said he wanted to start Inside Movies Galore. I said suggested we start with the Rob Zombie Devils, Rejects, and House of a Thousand Corpses. And the channel began. I'm bipolar, so sometimes Chad might make an appearance. Enjoy the show. What's your favorite scary movie? Fear is defined as a feeling of agitation caused by the presence or imminence of danger. Why do you think people believe in ghosts? For fun? Most people are so unwilling. I'm so sorry. What are you watching, Papa? Just uh, had a pretty boring day at work. Boring How's everyone day. doing tonight? Every oh, day. you went live Every. early. Yeah, we did. <laughs> Some of the talk that happens beforehand on this stuff sometimes definitely want to catch it. <laughs> Um, but, um, here we are once again in Inside Movies Galore, people, uh, welcome. Sorry, last week, uh, week we tried to do, uh, do this, um, and, uh, it <coughs> failed. But, uh, but we are back once again, folks, and, um, in the room we have Dane. Dane, why don't you introduce yourself once again? Hello, everyone. I'm Dane Kyle. I'm an up-and-coming writer-director, and, -coming writer -director, and um, I have uh, upcoming 
Film Noir, The Big Blind, going to be released this year. Uh, other things that you can find on YouTube. And um, definitely uh, looking to two of this uh, nice decision. Cool. Alrighty, and w uh, well, uh, welcome to his right is uh, the one and only Tito. Uh, Tito, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? I'm Tito Johnson, and I like turtles. <laughs> you too, kid. <laughs> Any case, uh, also in the room we have the diva of the group. Uh, 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 welcome, Celeste. Uh, welcome to, uh, to back to the room. Hi, I'm Celeste. I am a co-host on the horror host show, Dedgar's Dark Coffin Classics. I love horror movies, so I'm excited to be talking about these movies tonight. Awesome. So uh, the, uh, the two movies that we have in store for you, uh, for you uh, folks is the one and uh, only House of a Thousand Corpses, uh, which was directed by Rob Zombie in 2003. Um, and its direct sequel, which was done in 2005, called The Devil's Rejects. So um, uh, no, let's go to uh, Celeste. Why don't you give us, uh, uh, give us your first viewing of House of a Thousand Corpses? And um, what was your um, perspective of it? Well, I actually watched House of a Thousand Corpses and Devil's Rejects back-to-back -back in 2005. So as soon as Devil's Rejects came out, I got both of them, a friend loaned them to me, and I just sat and watched them straight. So my experience was a little bit altered by the, seeing the differences in what changed in the characters, how they were shot. They were like completely different films. There was a lot of character differences. But I really loved, at the time, House of a Thousand Corpses and how over-the-top it was and how bizarre it was. Okay. Uh, Dane, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about your first experience with House of a Thousand Corpses? What was your perspective of it then, and what is your perspective of it now? Well, in much said I watched them back to back I watched them a few weeks ago for these uh, discussions um, and um, the devil's rejects even though I thought stylistically both were very strong uh, House of a Thousand Corpses has more of a psychedelic music video feel to it because it was Rob Zombie's first uh, feature film after having directed his own music videos prior to that so influences still shine very strong in that film quality of overall filmmaking and acting does significantly improve by the time we get to the devil's rejects um, but there's plenty to be uh, interested in with house of a thousand corpses particularly how trippy it is how uh, the production design is really strong it has a good sense of atmosphere and of his filmography it does kind of have a horror cartoony feel to it um so yeah it's they all have their strengths uh but definitely i thought overall the devil's rejects was a much stronger film and uh in terms of uh how it affected me or whatever i would say house of a thousand corpses uh you know it's uh 
as much of a strong impact on me uh, as it might have been. It, it might have had a stronger impact on me if I had been the target audience and had seen it in a theater after that through a shog of uh, teen slasher movies uh, from the late 90s and early 2000s, which is unquestionably something very different, uh, which is different certainly at that time would have been a good thing. Definitely, definitely. Um, Tito, why don't you uh, explain uh, when you first saw House of a Thousand Corp uh, Corpses and what was your first perspective of the film and what is your perspective of it now? Well, I actually saw Devil's Rejects first and then uh, somehow House of a Thousand Corpses slipped past me without me catching it. And I enjoyed Devil's Reject so much that I actually went back and, you know, found a house of a thousand corpses. And I had heard that it was better. I prefer Devil's Rejects better. Um, I like the way it feels because it feels like a kind of Helter Skelter, kind of crazy. Uh, and they, they have that Texas Chainsaw Massacre feel to them that I, I really enjoy those type of films. Um, I enjoyed the ha acting in both films, and they both had a lot – um, obviously, it's like a part one and part two, but those films to me actually seem like they could stand alone on their own. It doesn't have to be like uh, the crossover. But the crossover, I uh, I think the crossover comes nicely. You can see the change in Rob Zombie as he uh, as he adds different music to his film, The Devil's Rejects, because in the first one, I believe he basically just used all his actual uh, music. So, uh, I, I mean... I'm glad we started with these two films because they're they're both up there for me, both enjoyable to watch. Uh, and I'm glad that we started with uh, with these two because uh, um, um, not a lot of uh, horror films are actually done by uh, or directed by rock and rollers, you know. So uh, definitely it was a different feel for both films for myself as well um i i saw devil's rejects first and then later i went back and watched house of a thousand corpses i didn't catch them in the theater like i wanted to at the time but um both films as well but uh, but as we know, the House of a Thousand Corpses is more cheesier and has over-the-top acting, but so does the second one a little bit with the Sheriff Wydell as well. So uh, now that we're starting to talk about, um, okay, um, what do any of you have uh, an idea of uh, what... Um, what ideas did uh, Rob Zombie have to um, portray in this film? Celeste, why don't you uh, tell me what kind of depraved madness that uh, Rob Zombie had? <laughs> I mean, everything he did was sort of... I mean, it was scary because it was one of those things like Texas Chainsaw Massacre where you're like, this could actually happen. There could be some weird family somewhere in the middle of nowhere that actually does this. But they're so over the top about it that it's actually sort of more scary because it's like cartoonish, like uh, was mentioned 
but it has this sense of like, well, it's possible. The thing that with House of a Thousand Corpses was it was kind of disjointed. It felt like it was broken up into sections. It didn't all quite go together, even though I love the movie. So adding the Dr. Satan kind of it seems like an afterthought and kind of forgettable as well. And he, of course, wasn't in Devil's Rejects, so it was sort of confusing adding him into there. And that added sort of a different element to the movie, and it seemed like a whole different movie when that part was added. Yeah, it did kind of seem that way, didn't it? Especially since the character of Dr. Satan was actually played by one Walter Felling. Um which was, uh, was a t uh, which was a character that definitely added. So, uh, Dane, how do you feel about the Doctor Satan character in uh, House of Thousand Corpses, and not in uh, the Haunted World of El Superbisto? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Correct. Very, very different characters there, despite having the same name. Uh, um, I thought that the whole myth of Dr. Satan in House of a Thousand Corpses, it only really has significance in propelling our characters towards their eventual demise, and then seeing what is admittedly a very cool uh, looking, you know, those two creatures in the underneath the house, uh, which I assume is what we're supposed to assume is Dr. Satan, which to me, honestly, they look like Todd McFarlane toys that were life-size, um, which, you know, Todd McFarlane toys tend to be pretty darn cool looking, and so were those, but they had very, very little bearing on the actual plot uh, as it existed, so it really could have been anything, and uh, so you might just uh, chalk that up to... Uh, Rob Zombie's kind of sloppy screenwriting at that time, which he admittedly got a lot better at with The Devil's Rejects, but um, yeah, it just was not uh, anything too terribly substantive. It was just more of a thing to be cartoonish and strange, you know, which all of his work tends to be cartoonish and strange in some form or fashion, whether it's literal, like The Haunted World of El Superbisto, or this, where it was basically like live-action cartoons, and at least in my opinion, in terms of the acting, not always in a good way. Um, but, uh, yeah, in terms of design, though, the Dr. Satan creatures looked really cool. I would have liked to have seen them in their own uh, Alien or Predator-type movie, because uh, they had a cool look. But, yeah, they just had very little to do with the actual plot. Well, uh, Tito, uh, what did you think about the Dr. Satan character? Did you also believe that it was an added afterthought? Yeah, it, they kind of talked, to me, they kind of talked about it right, kind of right from the beginning when they were sending them out to that farm, the house where uh, Captain Spaulding went ahead and wrote that map out. Um, they sent that cop there as well. He wrote the same map out for him. I could see how it's an afterthought because it's just at the end and they kind of show his tunnel, right, where they have all the uh, the corpses laying out and about. Um, I, there's a couple things I, I really liked. I wouldn't mind having a haunted house that was kind of like that uh, that murder ride they had there. <laughs> well, actually, actually uh, um, now that you mentioned that, Rob Zombie did design a um, serial killer haunted house uh, 
that was very much like what it was in the movie, and that that was after the movie. Prior to the movie, he had designed haunted house attractions for Universal. Universal, they were the original distributors of House of a Thousand Corpses, but they thought it was too weird, and they thought it would get an NC-17, so they decided not to distribute it. He bought the rights back, tried to get it through MGM, had troubles with them, and then finally got it through Lionsgate. It's interesting. So, um, what did we think about uh, Karen Black's character? Anyone? Why don't we start with you, Tito? Well, I Karen Black, right? She, I mean, sadly, she passed away, but uh, <laughs> she's been in a lot of movies, right, over her career, and I think she really plays it well. She has a lot of the facial expressions, which in the, the second one they did that, you know, also. For the um, since she didn't come back for the Devil's Rejects, um, she she you could tell that she loved her children in that movie, and and in both of the movies you could tell that she was somewhat human and she had feelings for her her children, but just maybe not anybody else at all. Okay, so um, Dane, what what did you think of the the character that Karen Black played as Mama Firefly? Yeah, um, I think Mama Firefly was easily the weakest of the, of the family, um, particularly when she was played by Karen Black, which I hate to say because she, uh, Karen Black has done great work, especially in her Oscar-nominated performance in uh, Five Easy Pieces, excellent uh, Jack Nicholson film from 1970. Um, this is not a good performance from her. Not and It's not an especially well-written character because she's very over the top in a not good way. Um, and both uh, Karen Black and uh, Sherry Moon Zombie in the first film, neither one of them really know how to be over the top and how to be real at the same time, which is definitely possible. It is a tricky mix, but you can do it. Neither one of them did, and they felt like they were acting in quotes um, and not really being present in the moment, which is what good acting is. Um, and I think the the person who played Mama in the second film, whose name always escapes me, um, she did a slightly better job, but taken. That would be Leslie. Yeah, I mean, uh, yes. Um, she did a slightly better job, but again, I just don't really think it exists the depth i don't think that the depth existed really on the page and that really for the most part does determine uh the ability of an actor to uh it's a lot it's a lot easier to be able to uh deliver a good performance when it's it exists on the page is what i'm trying to say and in my opinion i don't really think that it existed on the page in the same way that it did for other characters um Unlike, and I also don't think that either one of uh, that she, Karen Black, the the uh, feel for the material in the same way that say uh, Bill Mosley or especially um, uh, Sid Haig did, because uh, I felt like they understood how to be over the top and yet emotionally truthful. Well, Celeste, you, uh, do you have the same opinions as Dane, or do you, uh, do you agree with Tito? 
Well, I have to say that no movie role Karen Black could ever do would compare to her interviews in my estimation. Her interviews are awesome. She's so I would have to say, yes, it's not one of her better roles. Uh, I still like the character, but I do think it's one of the weaker, more forgettable characters. See, I yeah, think I, her, her and Baby were trying to go over the top. So, I, you know, maybe Baby's uh, acting wasn't on par there with the, uh, Bill Mosley and Sid Haig. I, I could definitely say that. But I think they were trying to go for that over top. I um, liked Baby, part. though. It, she, it worked for her. Mama was fine. I actually really liked her, too. It's just she didn't stand out as much. And um, switching the actress didn't make much of a difference, and it should have. I feel like if you play a character really well, you should notice and care if they switch the actor. When Mama's out of the plot for most of the Devil's Rejects. Right. Very true. Most of the time, she's tied up uh, to Sheriff uh, Wydell's pleasure. So, but in my in my mind, yes, her Black's character uh, character was very forgettable. I I really couldn't entirely see Karen Black as Mama Firefly. It was not one of her better performances in my mind. So I almost th think that if you took the Mama character, also, also you didn't see much of the gra uh, the Grandpa guy too. Um, yeah, there, there are a lot of characters missing in the sequel. Like Tiny was oh, yeah. barely in it. Which and and by the way, that's a point I was wanting to bring up was. If you had just watched The Devil's Rejects and you saw Tiny, he would stick out like a sore thumb. Pretty badly, in fact. Right. So, uh, he, just, no. he, he doesn't fit with the rest of the movie. <laughs> no, he does not. But uh, now that we are talking about Tiny, what did you think of Tiny's character in House of the Thousand Places? I think uh, I think Lurch I think Lurch should uh, sue them. That's what I think. <laughs> Tito, what do you think? I think he had a hell of a Halloween costume on. If you <laughs> remember that. Yeah, that, that that might be. Well, what do you think, Celeste? I like Tiny. I thought he was interesting character. You really didn't find that much about him. He seemed more like part of the scenery but in a good way. And I thought it was really funny when I bought the figure of Tiny. Um, there was a joke they did in the behind the scenes of the movies where uh, Baby, Captain Spaulding, and Otis were sitting around telling knock-knock jokes about Tiny. The joke was, knock-knock, who's there? Tiny fucked a stump for no good reason. And then they would all laugh about it, and they did it in Spanish and everything. It was really hilarious. Anyway, so the figure of Tiny came with a little stump that had a little hole in it. And I don't think many people would have gotten why it did. But I thought it was a cool joke, so that made me like the character. Now, Dave, did you not get what I said about his Halloween costume? Oh, yeah. What you said I did. And, uh, and speaking of which, uh, I think uh, not only should Lurch sue, but I think that... Uh, 
Harvey Dent should give uh, Lurch a lesson about, uh, you know, what it's like to be a burn victim, you know. <laughs> <laughs> See, I enjoy uh, uh, the the one scene that I remember in House of a Thousand Corpses was, uh, with Tiny is when, uh, when the girl, uh, uh, the one victim was uh, tied up on the bed and he almost allowed her to leave. Yeah, he let her go and said right. goodbye. And then Mosley came right up and grabbed her. Exactly. And that's the one moment that I re uh, remember. Bes uh, besides his um, performance in the beginning of The Devil's Rejects, which now that I will be getting to. Um, what... Um, going to start with you this time. Uh, what was your response? Uh, and I'm sure you said this before, but uh, what was your your response to seeing The Devil's Rejects the first time? I know you said you watched it back to ba uh, back, but uh, but then and what is your response now? Your reaction to uh, to the film then and now. Where would you like to start? You yeah. <laughs> that was uh, to you, Anywhere you want. <laughs> start anywhere you want. Females first. Okay. Um, I love Dave Devil's Rejects. It seemed a lot. It seemed kind of harsher to me, more gritty. So I like that about it. I liked seeing the differences in the characters because. Even though I love the characters in House of a Thousand Corpses, I still enjoy them in Devil's Rejects just as much. Though there was changes, Otis was my favorite character, so I liked seeing his evolution. Um, he probably changed the most. He almost looked albino in the first one. They changed his look a lot. They changed his character a lot. He was less philosophical. So I couldn't watch it without directly comparing the two because I watched them back to back. And had I seen Devil's Rejects first. I'm not sure I would have liked House of a Thousand Corpses as much as I had. But I thought it was a great sequel without being more of the same. Okay. Um, Cheeto, um, what was your response to, uh, what was your reaction to seeing The Devil's Rejects the first time? And uh, what was your reaction to seeing it recently? Uh, well, when I watched it the first time, I was actually blown away by it. I thought the soundtrack was outstanding, uh, using that rock and roll. Um, the the sheriff in that film was just as sadistic as the entire Firefly family. Uh, the the music at the end, when they're in the car ride with Freebird, a perfect ending to the movie, with the shootout. I. I, I Basically, I put the movie back in and watched it right after I just got done. Maybe I, you know, got something to drink and sat down and rewatched it. I liked it so much. Okay, Dane, what was your response or reaction to seeing Devil's Rejects for the first time, and what was your um, reaction to it recently? Noticed anything? Um. Well, I, uh, I, like Celeste, I watched him back to back, and I thought The Devil's Rejects was a significant improvement in terms of filmmaking and storytelling, style, thematic resonance, all that kind of stuff. And yeah, the soundtrack was a wise choice uh, to have it be classic rock from the period. Um, and yeah, definitely a, 
more complete story, a more personal story, perhaps. Um, I think it had a good commentary on sadism of criminals juxtaposed with the sadism of the one seeking justice, which turns into vengeance, which turns into its own kind of sadism, that being Sheriff Wydell. Um, and uh, great whenever you can have your sympathies change, um, you know, for those. Uh, I love it whenever movies are able to do that. I think A Clockwork Orange is, of course, the, uh, the paramount example of that. Um, and I think that it was definitely building off of that model. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think it just overall, it was more sure of itself. And it just was rooted in things that were more truthful. Um, the, the thing I would say, uh, which I don't know if a lot of people have talked about, is aside from Tiny and connections to the first film very loosely, it's not really horror in, you know, the word. It feels very true crime, um, which it absolutely, you could call it that for sure. That's kind of a question I would pose to the group is, is it really horror? You know? Well, uh, when I saw Devil's Rejects uh, for the first t uh, time, I loved its grittiness at the t uh, time. I loved the, uh, that it had a grindhouse uh, feel because I, I don't know why. I just love that, you know, graininess to a, fi uh, a film that makes it a little older or whatnot, even though it's uh, this and that. And, Ultimately, I think uh, that's what first draw, uh, draws me to a film sometimes too. But um, I uh, I remember thinking that uh, that Sherry Moon's character was a uh, serious uh, sir, and that she wasn't uh, wasn't so <laughs> yeah, you know. That she, uh, that she definitely did not uh, uh, do that this time, and I think that worked for her character this time too. But on the same level, you see the contrast the two characters, and it's like, okay, she's not so much of a dumb blonde anymore, <laughs> you know. Um, and um, uh, as Dane has mentioned uh, to me before in in the past. Uh, uh, Lee lo uh, loves to go for that ass shot. So, um, what do you think, Tito, of that um, zeroing in on Sherry Moon's ass? I mean, it's it's not a big ass, right? It's it's kind of small. She's kind of a petite woman. But the ass fits her, right? And I, and I don't mind looking at it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I hear what you're and saying. That, that, that's kind of like his calling sign, right? Uh, that, Sal that Salem's movie, the witch movie, right? That's how, where it starts off. She's laying naked in the bed, right? That's, and he's always going to have that ass part. So her jeans in this one where her ass cheeks were showing, she had her pajama bottoms on in House of a Thousand Corpses where the top of her ass was hanging out. So you didn't get the cheeks, you got the top. You know, it, it's it's an ass, right? Um, 
Dane, I know that you uh, mentioned it for uh, first. What did uh, what do you think about that aspect of the film? For, for myself, well, um, it's definitely a sign of the more fetishistic side of directing when it comes to uh, the writer directors who just cannot resist their particular predilections. Uh, Quentin Tarantino has his foot fetish after all in every one of his movies, and you know it's just. Is uh, different directors have their preoccupations, and uh, Sherry Moon, a uh, zombie, obviously does not have any shyness about uh, the situation. So um, it's just more, it gets more comical the more that you explore his filmography and just the degree to which neither one of them can resist um, such a thing. And to, to the point where it gets so devil's reject, she's like, Hit me right in the ass. And she says, In that. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, if the woman actually did that, bleed a little bit and you couldn't sit down a lot, but you're not going to die more than likely from that. Uh, so, yeah, big threat there. Uh, and uh, so it, sometimes it gets to the, the point of just sheer ridiculousness, and other times, like in the haunted world of El Super Bisto, they just go for it. Now there, it's animated, but still, it's like... There they just dive into it. There's no going back. Uh, Celeste, uh, what did uh, what did you think about that aspect of the film? I love it. I love Sherry Moon Zombie. I think it's awesome that Rob Zombie moves, uses her for everything. You know, if she likes showing her ass and he likes showing her ass, go for it. A lot of people t uh, tend to... Um, think about, uh, about about Rob Zombie's films that he uses his wife a lot in his films and and are tired of seeing um, uh, Sherry Moon in you know in his films uh, does anyone else have that same conclusion uh, when uh, when you think about seeing her in both of these films do you have anything against seeing her in any per uh, in future um, produ uh, productions that um, might produce. Well, I saw 31, and I didn't think her acting was that great in 31 myself. I think she did better in uh, these two movies that we're discussing tonight. I actually tend to agree with you, but uh, we can definitely get uh, 31 down the road. <laughs> um, anyone else have anything to say about um, the, um, the possible influence or not influence of Sherry Moon Zombie and any further uh, film down the road for Rob Zombie? That's one of the things I Let's... look forward to in his movies. I love her. I like, even when her acting's not so great, it's one of those things where I know she's going to be in it, and I'm always interested to see what part she'll play and how she'll play it. Yeah, it's, it should be said um, that it's not just her. It's uh, kind of the whole traveling show aspect of his films, which, again, is a similarity to someone like Tarantino, who tends to cast a lot of the same actors over and over again. Kevin Smith's the same way. It's that kind of that these 2000s generation of uh, directors who might have grown up on 70s films, 
so it's not just her. It's Sid Haig. It's you know Bill Mosley. A lot of them tend to follow him around. Malcolm McDowell has been in several of his films. Um, as far as her specifically, uh, yeah, her acting can be rather sporadic. There's been plenty of times where it's been pretty good, like in The Lords of Salem, and uh, and she actually wanted to be a voice actress prior to being a dancer, a choreographer, and then finally an actress for Rob Zombie. And so she got to be a voice actress in the Haunted World of El Supervisto, which you could argue is where her, she's most uh, suited because she's got a voice. Um, and I mean that as a compliment. So, yeah, it can be rather sporadic, but, you know, she's obviously his wife. She's easy to get a hold of what he wants her to do. And um, uh, if you for it. Well, um, uh, going back to the uh, conversation that the, the Sheriff Rydell had with the movie uh, 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 critic, just wanted to mention this again, like I did in the field audio uh, broadcast last week. Uh, what did you think about the, uh, um, the where they basically connected the family to the Marx Brothers? Uh, Celeste, what did you think about that? I actually didn't think it was necessary to say that, but it was interesting. It wasn't really my favorite aspect of the movie, but it was okay. Uh, what, uh, what did you think of that uh, connection, so to speak? I, I thought it was interesting where they... Uh, they put the uh, all the names were actually out of Marx uh, from the Marx Brothers. I, it was cool with that. Something else to think about. Maybe after uh, while you're watching the movie, you know, you just listen to it. But afterwards, you can kind of think about it, and maybe like uh, there's some hidden messages there. Okay, Dane, uh, what did you think about that aspect? I like the fact that they're all named after. Um they're all named after Groucho Marx characters. I like that. I didn't like the fact that it was pretty explicitly spelled out. I would have preferred if it had been a fun little Easter egg for Marx Brothers fans. Um, and the whole scene with the critic, I thought, was a little unnecessary. It's it, uh, much like it was Rob Zombie sort of taking a sledgehammer to... Well, it felt like it was him taking a sledgehammer to the critical community as a whole. Uh, in a way that it was just like, I don't know, this is just kind of wasting our time. It did lead to the funny thing where it's like, if you ever you know, say anything bad about uh, Elvis Aaron Presley, again, like that part was kind of funny, but it just overall, it felt very kind of self-serving and it spelled out what should have been a fun Easter egg for Marx Brothers fans, which Rob Zombie is one and he's gonna be doing Raised Eyebrows, a non-horror film for once about the later years of Groucho Marx. Now, do you think he did that with the critic because of his first film, uh, The House of a Thousand Corpses? Uh, the critics pretty much bashed it, I think, when it first came out. And then it started to have a fan following or cult-type following to his movies? It's possible, sure. I mean, I don't want to get inside of his motivations necessarily, but... Uh, 
we live in a world where the uh, 1998 Godzilla had Mayor Ebert and his aide Gene, who looked like Gene Siskel and Roger Ebert themselves, the real critics. They themselves said, if you're going to put us in a monster movie, why don't you have the monster eat or squash us, which they didn't even do that. So, I mean, at the very least, Rob Zombie had that change. Uh, with uh, Sheriff Wydell. So, again, I don't want to speak for him, but uh, the timing of it relative to how his first film was not all that well-received critically could be looked at as self-serving. Okay. So, um, getting back to uh, the, the cameos... Did anyone notice uh, that uh, Danny Trejo showed up? And uh, not to mention that the critic was actually Salmonius from uh, Xena, the legendary journey. Danny Trejo is great in anything. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for a laugh factor, maybe. For yeah, a laugh factor. So, in any case, um, does anyone else? Oh, wait, have I was gonna. Say, I was gonna say my favorite cameo was uh, the girl from the Warriors. Mercy from the Warriors. She was in um, one scene in Devil's Rejects, or a little bit of Devil's Rejects. Well, and let's uh, let's not forget about not yet star Rain Wilson, who would later go on to be in The Office, uh, who was in House of a Thousand Corpses. Fishboy is right. his name. And I if, love Fishboy. He was also Link in Galaxy Quest. Uh, which is where I remembered him from. <laughs> the Office was a great comedy. It was on quite a while, many seasons. And he also played a superhero in a movie called Super where he went around with a pipe wrench and just bashed people's heads in. Written and directed by James Gunn, who went on to do Guardians of the Galaxy. What a jump that was. Definitely. But in any case, uh, does anyone else have anything to add to either one of the two films? What about um, the classification of The Devil's Rejects as horror? What do you think about that? I felt like it was a horror movie what because it reminded me of... Um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, that kind of genre of horror. And, like, I can't think of any other classification for it. I know you yeah. mentioned, like, a true crime earlier, and we kind of just passed over that. But I can, I can see where you're coming from a little bit on that, I think. But since, some of, since the killings and stuff were happening in front of us in, like, real time watching it, that's where I was kind of more like it's horror than, than the true crime. Yeah, I could see that. I could see the Texas Chainsaw Massacre thing, or like, uh, at the very least, exploitation, which, uh, you know, unquestionably, it's drawing from 70s exploitation kind of grindhouse films, which both he, uh, Rob Zombie, Tarantino, Robert Rodriguez, Eli Roth, they're all from that 70s exploitation generation, so I can definitely see the connection there, but... Uh, you could have, like someone else could have done this same story and made it 
basically true crime kind of film because it's not that far removed from reality. Um, but yeah, I do think stylistically you can definitely put it in the realm of grindhouse horror, possibly. I would say the same. Because horror is a very loose, you know, very loose genre. There's a lot of films that you could put into the horror category. Because obviously any crime that has anything to do with murder or death or something of that uh, that nature can be classified as horror. So, uh, I mean, face it, life is horrifying. <laughs> but uh, in any case, uh, why don't we wrap this up um, uh, to, uh, to do uh, um, uh, Celeste, uh, where are you fr uh, uh, from? What do you do? Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself that you didn't before. I am based out of Wisconsin. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, I'm the co-host on a horror host TV show, the host being Dedger Winter, the name of it being Dedger's Dark Coffin Classics. If you'd like to look it up, you can find us on Vimeo at vimeo.com slash ddcc. And I am also the host for a burlesque troupe called Glamour Junkies Burlesque out of Milwaukee. Jane, um, I, I know you mentioned a little bit a bit about yourself in the beginning, but uh, why don't you tell us where we can find you and uh, a little bit more about what you do. Yeah, um, so once again, I'm a writer-director, um, kind of up and coming on the film scene based out of Charlotte, North Carolina for now. You can find me on YouTube at the Dane Kyle, uh, D-A-N-E-K-E-I-L. That's the YouTube channel name. You can find me uh, on Twitter with the same handle. You can find me on Facebook. Um, and as far as what I've done, I did a short film called Eternus, which is a black and white German expressionist silent film, which I would love to talk about on here if ever anyone uh, wants to know more about it. Um, and it got a lot of praise from Peyton Reed, directed Ant-Man, Lloyd Kaufman of Troma, and Charles Kyoto of the Kyoto Brothers. Um, they loved it. And then my up-and-coming uh, short film, The Big Blind, is going to be a black-and-white film noir. Uh, it's another short, um, but those are, both, uh, those are both preceding my first foray into feature filmmaking, which I'd like to start next year. You know... Um sort of told us about what you do or what what you had done. I understand you've been on YouTube and uh, you've been in a few other film projects. Uh, why don't you t uh, tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, I'm pretty much basically, uh, we've got, I'm, I'm not the expert, right? You three are the experts on this channel. I'm just throwing in for the average uh, below intelligence guy that has can throw in a few things about what, uh, what I think about films. Yeah, I did movie reviews before on YouTube, um, had a little falling out with the person I was doing them with. He just kind of went off into thin air. I don't even know what happened. I hope he's okay to this day. Um, yeah, I was Maybe in a the fireflies got him. <laughs> I, I mean, I really don't know what happened, right? Um, I was in a few, a uh, couple movies just as an extra with uh, um, Nate Rumler. He's got a Gay for Parade movie coming out. Uh, and then Blowing Raspberries, I actually played a police officer in that. 
Um, and that's who I was on YouTube with was Ricky Shore. I haven't talked to him in about a year. I hope he's doing okay. But pretty much I'm just the, uh, the dumb guy that likes to watch movies and I can talk about them with you guys and I appreciate you listening to me. Can you blow a raspberry for us right now? No, I just <laughs> shaved. I just shaved. I apologize. Well, then, uh, then that kind of defeats the authenticity factor, doesn't it? <laughs> shameful. Shameful. <laughs> well, in any case, folks, hopefully you enjoyed the uh, sh uh, show. Uh, we did get, uh, get a little rowdy, but uh, that's okay. okay. We have more time to, uh, to have a night of debauchery with you folks, uh, and hopefully you enjoyed the show. Tune for another episode next week, probably same day, same time. <laughs>